and welcome to the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sorelli. Uh, we've got a guest, uh, a, a brother from another mother. Uh, I'm talking about the U.S. Air Force. Uh, DJ Vanis, who's a published author, former military uh, officer in the Air Force by way of the Air Force Academy, which uh, I was not smart enough to get into uh, any of the uh, the service academies. So I actually had to go the, the honest man's route and enlist first. But uh, DJ... You have some great concepts, and I know you do keynote speaking, and, and you're an author for a living. Uh, you talk to a lot of companies on the warrior mindset, and you also talk about tribes. Um, you know, we, we've we've let the audience know I've got a book called The Everyday Warrior coming out this January, uh, and I do talk about there is a difference between a war fighter and a warrior. Not that they're necessarily uh, mutually exclusive. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there in the, the private sector and that's never served a day in the military that are more warriors than some of the, the, the war fighters I did uh, serve with. So, uh, first off, you've got an, in, an interesting story. So, we've got to get into this. Um, as I read it, uh, you came from very meager uh, beginnings, man. And you yeah. are self-made. Uh, born on an Indian reservation, Walk me through your early life uh, up to up to now for the uh, the listeners. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, no. Happy to be here, Mike. And you no, know, I wasn't born on a reservation. I was born in a community that's heavy, you know, a lot of tribal members in that community. But my parents were teenagers in poverty when they had me. And uh, by the way, I'm I'm a you know proud son of an enlisted man. 21 years in the Air Force. There you enlisted. go. So I knew there was something I, I liked I about you. I had my head straight. Um, but no, I, I, you know, from humble beginnings, you know, and my parents, you know, they'd make one meal and eat it all week. They read to each other at night for entertainment <clears throat> because they didn't have a TV or radio. I benefited from that tremendously. Uh, the first book that was read aloud to me and, and, you know, my parents at the same time was Mario Puzo's The Godfather. You're kidding that's, me. That's you can't make this stuff up. So that's yes. why I'm so w- weird now. But um, but no, I, I slept in a dresser drawer the first three months of my life. That was my crib. But it made it surreal to come from that kind of a background and then show up many years later to be a keynote speaker at, at the White House. You know, and it was a pinch me moment of, you know, whatever you have, you leverage the heck out of that. And it goes in alignment with this this warrior concept, um, which is to use our creator given talents and abilities uh, and develop those through a lifetime so we can become an asset or a benefit to the tribe that we served. That's the way that we look at warriors in our tribal communities. Um, my, my tribe, we call a warrior Ogichida. And that term has nothing to do with what we see on TV or on movies. It's not that Hollywood, you know, stereotypical image of, you know, the sweaty chiseled figure that we see so much of. It's somebody who has dedicated their lives to serving someone else. Uh, leading by example, it was somebody who is benevolent in service, somebody who is motivated by love, somebody who asks a question, not what can I get, but what can I do for someone else? And at the end of the day, fought for something bigger than their own personal welfare. That's what the whole role of a warrior was about. That, that seems to be in stark contrast to what we're seeing today in, so, uh, yeah. in society. Yeah, sometimes yeah, I, what I, we I, see too. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was going to say, I read a great article. It was from one of the former commandants of the Marine Corps. And uh, he said, you know, one of the biggest differences between the military community and the civilian community, he said, if he had to boil it down to anything, is that the military understands the concept of tribe and and teamwork and being part of a collective group where civilian society puts a precedence on individuality. 
and, and people, you know, people like to think that, well, hey, the military creates all these robots. No, we still want people to be people. We still want people to have their personalities. You know, one of the, one of my favorite uh, country western uh, stars, Willie Nelson, said, "Let people be people; it's their greatest strength." So we still do have that in the military. Man, we have some big personalities, and you know that to be true. Yeah. Um, but those people know when to put their needs aside for the good of the uh, the tribe. And I've got to ask you, brother, uh, I know some people, it, it strikes a chord. I use the term tribe as and it's, a, it's a, a form of endearment to, to, you know, Native Americans because their concept of tribe, it, I think it's something that in one of my favorite books is Tribe by Sebastian Young, uh, Younger. I, I think it's a must read one for veterans getting out. But I had such an appreciation and respect for Native American culture and their sense of community compared to what we see in mainstream society. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the tribes leaned on each other. You know, I mean, tribal, you know, tribes have gotten a bad rap because you have to ask yourself, what does your tribe represent? Is it representing, you know, something, something negative, something toxic, or is it representing something benevolent, something good, something that's ultimately going to have a positive impact with other people's lives? You know, that that's really the question. Our tribes go back. I mean, that that's why I lean on that word, regardless of, you know, how things have been perceived lately, because our tribes are what allowed us to endure. You know, I, I write very adamantly in my book, warriors never fought alone. Why? Because that's dumb. You know, you're only going to ever accomplish a certain amount in this life when you're out there lone wolfing it, doing it all on your own. You know, um, you have to tribe up with those warriors who are on the same path as you because you want to become brave and courageous. You have to surround yourself with bravery and courage. You want to become a complainer, a gossiper, a, a negative or toxic person. Hang out with that set. They'll teach you those the ways of that tribe. So we get to determine what tribe we're a part of. I mean, we're born into some of them, but I'm a big believer in the ones that we create. You know, who we hang with in time is who we become. That birds of a feather flock together thing yeah. is so important to remember because that's, that's you know, truth. And um, we can be, and when we're surrounded with the right people, we become the best version of ourselves, who we were meant to be in this world. Not not to, to, to dwell on this too much, but you, you just hit something where Hollywood loves to really focus on the individual Rambo. Yeah. Rambo, the lone soldier out there, the lone and unafraid, as we say, yep. uh, mowing down the enemy. When in reality, you and I know uh, he wouldn't have lasted five minutes against, you know, uh, a group of 10 or 20 fighters. It's the same That's thing it. with Medal of Honor winners, which and I'm not taking anything away from Medal of Honor winners. Uh, a Medal of Honor winner saved my life by jumping on a grenade. Uh, but, it, it, you know, they, again, it goes back to society loves that that sense of individuality. And, oh, my God, this this person did something amazing. But that person wasn't alone. There's individual uh, moments. Yeah, yes. there's individual moments that where courageous, you know, courageous actions and bravery come into play. And, and that shouldn't be discounted. But the, the, what gets discounted or forgotten is the fact that it was done in the context of a tribe. Usually those people do a moment of bravery, something so selfless and sacrificial because they love the person they're next to. It's not because they're out there by themselves. It's because they're shoulder to shoulder with the people that they love and care about and would give anything for and so that's one of the things I write about in my book, uh, The Warrior Within, is to, to kind of deconstruct that romantic idea of that warrior who's out there by themselves. They don't need anything, anybody. They don't deal with fear, fear or pain. All they need is the next worthy challenge. All that is baloney. 
you know, our, our tribal members, you know, our, our warriors were special because they dealt with all those things and obstacles and they were outmatched numbers and technologically. And but they still found a way to rally because they relied on each other and they, they knew that their role was to feed and protect their people, not to feed and protect their ego. Yeah. And man, it's amazing what we can do when we're part of a team. Yes. Everyone wants to be part of a team. Um, you know, let me ask you this. Can you be part of multiple tribes? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And we should be, you know, there's different components of our life. You know, we can, we can have tribes for certain things. You know, when we're, when, when we're doing, you know, our self-development, when we're doing the stuff that makes us better men, better people, we can have a group, you know, a tribe that we work out with, you know, in the gym and we talk sports and, you know, we can definitely have multiple tribes. Um, but the, the key part is be conscientious about who we tribe up with because it matters. Yeah. I mean, this is, who we surround ourselves with makes us a better, stronger, sharper, more resilient, more courageous version of ourselves. And ultimately, hope, hopefully that's what we're trying to become. Yeah, they're definitely, you know, because they're, they're positive tribes. Let's be honest, like, like the U.S. military, you're part of a positive tribe that yeah. uh, what people don't understand is we are uh, trained in the art of war, but we're yeah. actually in the profession of peace. That's but it. then ISIS, the Hells Angels, th- those are tribes as well. Um, but in your opinion... You know, I know ISIS, Al-Qaeda, they, they preyed off the young, impoverished, uh, uneducated, but they gave them a sense of homecoming and belonging. Yeah. Um, and, and I know reading again, going back to Sebastian Younger in the book Tribe, um, he talked about how post-traumatic stress uh, disorders, or, or which I hate to call them disorders, uh, symptoms were much lower amongst Native Americans coming home from World War II, Vietnam because of the sense of tribal community and that they wrap their arms around them. Yes. What, to, to what part of, of human psychology does, does, does a tribe plan? Is it just that sense of homecoming and belonging? It, it really is. I mean, that I'm so glad you're bringing this up because that is something that should be worthy of note, you know, is, is when tribal members went back into their communities, a couple things happened that were amazingly good. Uh, number one, they reintegrated back into a tribe, a tribe that was supportive um, that was encouraging. They also did ceremonies, Mike, where they actually got to purge all this stuff that they collected, you know, so that it didn't morph into PTSD, but could become what we know now as post-traumatic growth, where yes. you actually learn and grow and become better as you go through those hellish hard times. Um, so there was a, a, a couple of dynamics that were really powerful in, in that moment that um, I, I think are critical, you know, when we talk about strengthening ourselves. That's one that we shouldn't discount. When you say purge, are you, are you with the use of peyote or ayahuasca or things along those lines? No, not necessarily. Our, not our, necessarily. Our tribal communities use that. It's a small percentage of our tribes. Yeah. That's that's part of it. But just the the general ceremonies in general, like a sweat lodge or a uh, wiping of the tears ceremony, or a you know, there's a lot of different ceremonies. We have over 575 federally recognized tribes, but okay. there are there are ceremonies that we go through to get rid of the toxins that accumulate in our, in our bodies spiritually at the cellular and yes, spiritual level exactly, yeah. to get rid of that stuff. And, and I was part of a, a, a PBS documentary uh, called the warrior tradition. And what it did is highlighted all the different, you know, how our tribes honor the warrior path, especially when it comes to military service. And that was one that got brought up in there that makes us unique and special in that regard is we took care of our people when they came home um, even through Vietnam, which was a terrible conflict to come back from because people were shunned and spit on and criticized. But that did not happen in our native communities. When our 
members came back home, they were truly home and they were healed. The, uh, you, you know, I'm, I went to Mexico and did the, the psychedelic therapy or psychedelic ther- ceremony, as you want to mm-hmm. do, uh, call it, in a very uh, established environment. I mean, the mm-hmm. environment was, was they were very meticulous and, and deliberate about it. It was one of the most amazing experiences. I regret, and I did that in June of 2021 when I retired in March of 2018. So I waited close to, to three years. Um, wish I had done it the week I got out, man. Yeah, uh, that was one of the most spiritual, and the began was rough. I I was uh, purging, mm-hmm. but nothing was coming out uh, for, for, for pretty much the whole night. But uh, you know, there's they're getting a lot of great uh, results out of that, and I think Dan Crenshaw just uh, introduced a bill to get the VA to approve psychedelic therapy for yeah. uh, for vets because it was began on Friday. 5-MeO-DMT, which, uh, you know, Mike Tyson talked about on the Joe Rogan pod, uh, podcast. Some people call, call it the, uh, the toad. Um, yeah. that, was, that was life-changing, I'll say it. And the 5-MeO was one of the most spiritual experiences I, I've ever had. Um, why do you think modern society has moved away from sort of these, these, these tribal connections is it the modernization? I mean, people are so nomadic now. They grew up in one place. Now they're in New York working there full time. Uh, what, in your opinion, has led to sort of this divisive lack of, of personal connections amongst uh, modern society? Yeah, great question, Mike. We're all dealing with that. And and I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I think it's the, the individualism that, you know, that we talked about earlier, <clears throat> where there's that attached glory to doing it all on your own. Nobody does it alone. You're not supposed to do it alone. I was taught traditionally by by my elders that we're more like bees and ants than eagles. We need each other. We're better when we're with each other. So that's the thing. That's the misnomer we kind of we have to get rid of. We're not. It's not about being out there on your own, doing it all by yourself. That's like I said, that's a goofy way to operate. Number two, I think we're all moving so fast and we're the pace is so frenetic. We're running around with our hair on fire. The speed of life is the speed of light. And I think we lose those connections and those are the moments where we're so anxious and overwhelmed. That's the moment where we most need to lean out and grab our rope holders. You know, those people that are supporting us, that encourage us, um, that we can unpack ideas, you know, and have a, a shoulder to cry on at times or or have somebody to kick our rear end when we need that, because we need that sometimes, too. But but we need that. I mean, that's where we truly grow, uh, not on our own individually, but within that tribe that we create. We- let me ask you this. So, you know, there there are, let's say, antiquated theories about being a man. And yeah. the antiquated theories, one that I'm getting at is vulnerability. If yeah. you show vulnerability, that is weakness. Wow. Within the tribal sort of sense uh, of the Native uh, American community, is vulnerability viewed as weak? Or, or is that something that, that even a warrior can come forward and say, hey, I'm not, I'm not feeling well, I'm not feeling right? in the community rallies around them or is that something that's that's evolved along with 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 sort of the military as we've seen it now we're putting mental health treatments in place but uh what, what's your perspective on that one i'd be very interested yeah i think it's both i think it's both uh, in our tribal communities there was a time to be you know that stoic that that leader who said you know i'm confident let's move forward but there was a time to be vulnerable too and that's where our ceremonies came in 
where you could yeah. totally open up, you know, and, and just completely unload all of that that has built up. That's what those ceremonies were for. So there was a time and a place for that. As far as everybody else, you know, kind of general society, I think we're migrating now to that idea that vulnerability is not weakness. It's sometimes the ultimate show of courage, you know, to be able to unpack that and say, hey, I, I'm struggling here. I need help. And the reason why is because, again, when you put the purpose of the warrior in front of us, the purpose isn't to, to feed and protect. It's to, I know we froze up there for a second. The, the, the purpose isn't to feed and protect their own ego. It's to yeah, feed and protect we were their here. own I got you. I'm listening. And when you keep that idea clear, then you're willing to go out of your way to say, hey, I need some help. And the reason why is because I want to be better at who I am and what I do. I don't want to sit here in the corner and keep struggling and keep banging my head on the wall when somebody next to me has got a ladder. You know, so it's a moment of that vulnerability where you say, I don't got this. I don't have yeah. all the answers. I need some help. And when we're able to do that, I mean, that's that's ultimate resiliency right there. You know, do you want to be strong like wood or strong like grass? You know, wood can. Yeah. Strong, wood wood can flex to a point. Strong but under these storms, they flexible. break. Flexible and grass. Out. You can trample it. But it could be flooded away. It still keeps coming back. It bends yeah. in the wind. That's what makes it as strong as it is. And we can become that, too. So I, I am a firm believer, and this is coming from a guy who served in the Marine Corps and the Navy, is that if there's one organization that wrote the uh, uh, the manual on leadership, it's the it's the U.S. Army. Uh, the Marine Corps has the Warfighter Manual, which is pretty damn good as well. But you know that manual evolves, and recently they put yeah. humility as one of the top attributes uh, of uh, of a leader. I don't think it's going to be too long before think, vul vulnerability yeah. moves up. Uh, probably is a close second to uh, to humility. I think it should, Mike. I mean, I, I wrote in my book, I, I interviewed a friend of mine, uh, Alex White, who was a bronze star um, uh, for Valor. And uh, he was uh, Army Special Stud. Forces and uh, he was an Air Force Academy graduate. I mean, incredible guy. Worked for me as a lieutenant. And he had a, you know, I was interviewing him for what he went through because he had he had really bad PTSD. He saw a lot of combat action. But one of the things he said is it was almost there was a conditioning process to be now catch this humiliated by humility. I mean, think about that. Think about what kind of vault we throw ourselves into when we have that type of mindset. And so that's one of the things I talk about with that over romanticizing the warrior role, even in the military, we've done that, you know, it's not the bright, shiny pamphlet. And that's what puts people into crisis mode because they can't reach out because they feel like they're violating, you know, what they have committed to, or it's showing weakness. And, it's not. I mean, that's one of the seven grandfather teachings in our tribe, too, by the way, is, you know, we have courage, but we also have humility is one of the one of those. And it's I, I hate to put you that's on the spot. That's what you said. Seven, seven, what rules, laws within the tribe? Yeah. Well, the, the seven grandfather. Teachings. What, what are the seven grandfather yeah. teachings? Because we got to put this out there, man. And yeah, if you got you know, if you got to pull it up, let me, let me know I'm with you. Um, well, I just want to make sure I get get it right because I've I've gone through so many of these different uh, type of uh, lists uh, for the different tribes because everybody has like you know very, a little bit different. But it's 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 love, respect, bravery, truth, honesty, humility, and wisdom. Yeah, those are. I mean, nobody's going to debate and, those. I mean, those are just you know classic go tos. Um, on how to build a good life. It gives you a snapshot on, you know, kind of building that image of. So the love component, um, you know, I started with yeah. a, a leadership consulting firm with some SEALs I served with and I, I love them. They're, they're, they're my brothers, but I had to break off because I had very different experiences 
and I had to change what I was telling the companies. And, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to speak to 700 young Marines at the end of their culmination exercise. So two weeks in the field in Bridgeport, California. And I was racking my brain because I started out in the Marines. I'm like, what the hell am I going to tell to an 18 to 25 year old Marine that I wish I would have heard back then? Because I, I fed into that, let's call it bullshit. Sometimes that the Marines feed yeah. or, or yeah. the army or the air force or the Navy of what a warrior is that sometimes you got to be the loud guy. And, and, and I reflect on that, but I talked about leading through love and, and I've worked that even when yeah. I talked to corporate, uh, corporate, uh, partners or clients is, you know, when I've reflected, I look back now and I, I say, I, I led through love one. And it took me a long time to realize this. I loved my men and women a lot more than I hated yep. the enemy. And when you look at it, you know, like a father or a mother loves their, their, their uh, son or daughter, the highest form of compassion is accountability. And that actually comes, I, I'm stealing that from a buddy. He was a, a tank commander in, in the army. He says compassion, accountability is the highest form of compassion that you want to turn somebody into a yeah. competent, good human being. But, you know, again, and, and I think we're, we're making strides in the right direction that, you know, love is love, vulnerability, humanity. Or I'm sorry, humility. These are some of the most masculine traits you can have, because warriors, when it's time to to pick up the the rifle, the spear, whatever your your tool is, it's almost like you can flip a switch yeah. and dial down the empathy because you know what needs to take yeah. place for the greater good. But that's that's there those seven. Go. We're we're going to publish those seven. That's that's awesome. Um, let's let's move because you know I want. I want men, and I think right now in society, the young men are craving for coaching and mentorship. They are craving for it. Yeah. And, and we're seeing this, this pendulum swing that, hey, you know, teach me leadership, help develop me into the man uh, that is one contributing to society, who's going to be a great father, who's going to be a great husband. Um, what is, what, what in your definition makes a modern day warrior in, in the public sector? And I know that is a vague, um, ne like nebulous question, yeah. but I, I, I've like, got to get your perspective wow. on this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I, I think there's a few elements, you know, those the again, going back to the seven grandfather teachings, having those elements incorporated into our character, you know, that love, that wisdom, that courage, uh, humility, somebody who's compassionate. We keep talking about this, too. You know, it's not about being the loudest voice in the room. It's not about stepping on somebody's head to get for, you know, to move forward. It's about being compassionate with the people that you're serving with and around. Um, if you don't have that, who the hell cares about what kind of service yeah. you're doing? You know, having that, hu that connection to our humanity is really important, especially lately. We've been so, you know, divided and there's so much, you know, of everybody is bristling all the time. And it's like, you know, Gandhi said it, be the change you want to see, you know, be that, you know, that peacemaker, you know, walk that path. Uh, treat people with respect. You know, that's another one of the one of the teachings. But to be able to walk that way in this world, it's not going to make us a perfect human being. Doesn't mean that we're not going to make mistakes or fall flat on our face. But I mean, you get to choose the path you walk in this life. We don't get to choose a whole hell of a lot else. You know, we don't choose the conditions we're surrounded by or the environment or, or the dynamics in the environment. But we always get to choose who we are and how we are as we go through the journey. And that's the choice. That's where our power is. And so being that warrior out in the world, you know, like I said, number one, it's somebody who is a servant, somebody who has dedicated their lives to serving someone else well. And when you walk that path, the burning question every day should be, what am I doing today? Not tomorrow, not next week. What am I doing today to develop myself 
into that warrior role so I can have a deeper, more positive impact with the people that are in my tribe. We, That's it. Let that be we hear that point. all too often, though. We hate service to others, but rarely, again, as, as the former commandant said, you know, individuality is one of the mainstream attributes in society. Um, it, mm-hmm. You know, people need to understand that when you take care of others, you take care of yourself, especially your soul. That's that's my opinion. There is a there is a dichotomy yes. there, though, in order to take better care of others. Sometimes you have to take care of yourself. I'll tell you, here's where I got this wrong. So I took not the smartest man in the room, not, not the sharpest tool, not the dullest. But some of the things the Marine Corps put out, like I took as gospel to like the letter of the law. Leaders eat last. And I I remember when I transitioned over to the SEALs, I had this E9 who I loved. He was my SEA, the troop chief. And it would drive him crazy because I'd stand at the chow hall line and say, come on, guys, go before me. And he flipped out on me once. And he's like, just eat with the guys. But there was a point to where I always put the guys uh, forward. And I'm not sitting here like, oh, I'm so selfless. But I wore myself out where I should have taken a vacation, should have taken time to myself. Um, yeah. For, 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 for the guys and the men and even the women listening to this who have not had great coaches or mentors or, you know, great influencers in their life that want to become a warrior. Where, where do you start with that, dude? What, what's a good starting point? Is it, is it, is it a self-inventory? In, in, is it small steps? In your opinion, how do you transition from just a member of society to becoming a warrior who, who serves others. Yeah. I think you got to ask your, you know, it's intentionality. First of all, is this a path that you want to be on? And then this, and taking that self-assessment is critical. Um, but, but also, you know, finding the people that you want to emulate, you know, who is walking that path? You know, if I see you out doing your thing, Mike, and I'm like, I want to be, I want to find out what drives this guy because I like what he's doing. I like his character. And you start having these conversations, these quality conversations with people. We never want to become like somebody else, but we, but we can always have character traits that we want to emulate. And I think it's important. We all, we all need those role models. We all need targets to hit, right? If, because if we don't have that, we're just kind of wandering around, in the, wandering around in the world and hoping something works. That's one way to live life. I don't, you know, I don't like yeah. that strategy. We don't live long enough to do that. But um, and I want to go back to so I think that's how, how we kind of progress on that path. But I want to go back to what you said, too, about that balance between service and self-care, because this is a critical point here. Um, service is that part of the role for, you know, for three reasons. Number one, uh, service is our highest calling. You know, if we are not put here to serve, why the hell are we here at all? You know, that's a really important question. Uh, number two, service is our deepest need. We all have a need and it's a need to feel valued at some level. Uh, that we matter, that what we do matters. And we can get some of that need fulfilled when we serve somebody else well, which makes us feel like a million bucks. That's the thing that people tend to forget. Um, And number three, service is the thing that outlives us. It's our legacy. It's what we leave behind us. You know, every elder I've seen in tribal communities, when they walk on and they're no longer here, they have a feast and a memorial and they celebrate that elder's life. And they don't talk about their car or where they vacation. They talk about the moments they had an impact on somebody else's life that was significant. The greatest profound. currency in life um, is impact, not money. That's it. That's, that's it. But you have to take yeah. care of yourself, too, yes. in that process. So you can't be a warrior when you're falling apart. So got to take care but of you. And, you know, as we're having this conversation, you know, to become a warrior, it's coming back to tribe. is surround yourself with other warriors. Yeah. And eventually it's, dude, there's a, there's a great quote. 
and I, I, some people credit it to Denzel Washington, but they said it's actually been out there for a while. Is uh, if you surround yourself with five smart people, you'll become the the sixth. If you surround yourself with five millionaires, you'll become the sixth. If you surround yourself with five uh, warriors, you'll become the sixth. It also works to the yeah. to to the contrast, yeah. um, dude. It's yeah. And DJ, this is probably one of many conversations. I, I am so, I'm such a firm believer that I am who I am because of the coaches and mentors I had. And when I say coaches and mentors, yeah. people usually think this hierarchical, uh, you know, sort of structure of coaches above me, my bosses. And there was that, but it was usually the peers, the warriors next to me. Yeah. And you said yeah. something about service. Uh, to others, mm-hmm. I you know a big a big transition in my life was when I found more joy in other people's success within my tribe than my own. Yeah. And you know uh, an example is when I, one of my buddies and I was on the operation would get a silver star, and I'm standing in the audience watching that happen. I like I was smiles and tears and hugging that dude afterwards, yeah. saying, well, "It's almost I received the silver star." Like oh, yeah, just like. Bro, is so yeah. happy for them, yeah. but I don't think people, yes. you know, people can't find that anymore. It's it, we all we've all heard the phrase "comparison is the thief of joy." Yeah, it's a thief of joy. Yes, right. When you're when you're with a tribe that you know, going back to that, how we are shaped through our mentorship, the tribe that we're a part of. Yeah, you know, when we're surrounding ourselves with the right people, we're cheering them on. They're cheering us on. We're helping them out. They're helping us out. It's it's this beautiful dynamic of mutual support and everybody benefits. And we also call each other out yeah, on bullshit. Yes. You know, that's the other thing is having accountability. But I'll tell you right now that it's it's like looking at this this arrowhead, Mike. Like this is just a, this is just a rock, you know, until somebody picks it up and shapes it and chips it into a useful tool that can defend your village or get dinner for the night. Right. And this is exactly like us who we surround ourselves with either turns us into this or just leaves us as a rock. So we get to make that choice, but it's critical. I mean, we should always be in that progression of we're always constantly mentoring and coaching somebody, but we're also constantly being mentored and coached by somebody. You know, it strengthens the whole tribe when we do it that way. Is there a time that you have to level up in terms of tribes? You leave one tribe because maybe you've received everything you can and you need to surround yourself with a higher. And I'm not trying to. To, to make this a, 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 a caste society, but do, do you, have you leveled up in tribes where you've gotten enough from this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's, and that's part of progression too. Um, not everybody is meant to go forward on the journey. Um, the most important thing is, you know, where you're headed and what you want that to look like. Um, and once you know what that looks like, you'll start knowing who you want to incorporate in because some, sometimes, frankly, the people in the tribe, they don't want to go to that next yeah. level. You know, in that stage of life, they were solid and you helped them, they helped you, but there's a time where you start to kind of outgrow. It's like a seed break in a shoot, um, or a, you know, baby chick coming yeah. out of an egg. It's like, there's sometimes that threshold that we break through and we're now in a very different place. And because of that, we need sometimes very different tribal members. Uh, that we need to incorporate into to our new group. Well, DJ, we uh, we end this with what we call some hard questions. And uh, I don't think we actually okay. had time to prep because we did this last minute. So if I'm stumping oh, the jump boy. here and I never want to stump the jump on anyone, uh, I do apologize up front. Oh, so uh, four questions. Are you ready? Okay. All right. I'm ready. We'll, we'll put your uh, Air Force Academy uh, intellect to the uh, to the <laughs> test here. Uh, sorry. Uh, so first one is hardest decision you've ever had to make. Leave the military. Wait, and when did you leave the military? Hardest decision. 
2002 as a captain uh, to do the work I do now full time. Uh, I was I was 10 years into a 20 year career. Um, Blue Sky Project, you know, to, to go out on my own and become a speaker and an and, and author eventually. Um, it, terrifying. You know, I grew up in a military family. I knew that stability. I knew that lifestyle. I loved it. I enjoyed it. Benefited from it. Benefited from it tremendously. How, how many people did you have underneath your, your command as a captain? I, I had 10 people uh, in my team and then I advised um, 100 across the country. So yeah. I had an extended team. But um, it was just and then it went down to me, you know, and but I but I formed a new team, you know, it's more yeah. virtual, but you still need that support structure. But, yeah, it was a it was a difficult decision, but I don't regret it for even yeah. one second. Sometimes you can do more impact outside the military than you can within. Yeah. Um, did you love being a leader? Did you love coaching and mentoring? Absolutely loved it. Still passionate about it today. I mean, it drives yeah. my work. So that hasn't changed. I can tell. OK, so that was the hardest decision. And, and this next one, we don't accept no, uh, no regrets. Uh, I think it's a bullshit answer. We all have regrets. Uh, biggest regret of your life. Oh my gosh. Biggest regret of my life. Um, probably not believing in myself earlier. Uh, probably not, you know, being confident who I was meant to be earlier. Um, I think that there was times where I had a lot of, you know, internal struggles and battles, you know, in that regard that I think slowed my progression. I was in my own way. A lot of times, and it, um, when you when you're talking, give me an age frame. What are we, are we talking? Like teenage years, post military? Uh, um, I think post military. Well, post -military. teenage years too. Teenage years was. Oh, I mean, it was a couple of times in my life where I was really, you know, struggling with that. But you know, as we get older, we start getting out of our own way more and just realizing this is who I am. Um, you know, and it's, Wiser. I'm doing the best, best I can with what I yeah. know and I'll, and I'll be better next week, but we're all works in progress. So WIPs, I love to say that all the way until we're six feet under, that's it all the way until we're six feet under. Okay. So what are those for the listeners, those one to three non-negotiables, those, those tenants that you live by that have led to the majority of your success? Oh my gosh. Wow. These are great. I know. These are tough. These I know. Tough. I didn't even come up with uh, these. These are, these are my ghostwriters, <laughs> man. Uh, number one, understand that there is always a way forward. Always, always, always. Whatever circumstance, whatever environment, there is always a way forward. Somehow, some way. You have to keep that as a core belief. Uh, number two, always do what you say you're going to do. That's the quickest way to build street cred, I think, in any environment that we find ourselves in life. And, and number three, Never go it alone. I mean, that's one of the things that I have leaned on over and over again. As far as a non-negotiable, it's like I have to have my people with me on the journey. It's just I, I've been I've done it alone at times. I suffered for it. Mm -hmm. um, I've been you know surrounded with the right people and benefited from it in ways that I still can't even process. So those are those are three I think that have helped me more than anything. Those are powerful words words to live by, and usually the, the guests we have on. Uh, I, I'm taking away and I'm taking notes uh, as you're saying them. So the last one, and, and you know, we've, we've hit this throughout the conversation and it's dear to my, you, you talked about legacy uh, of the, you know, the tribal elders. Uh, yeah. I call it the legacy of leadership. Mm -hmm. When all, all is said and done and let's say 40 years, hopefully 50 years from now, DJ is at his moment. It's his time. Mm -hmm. How is he going to evaluate on his deathbed, whether he lived a life of purpose and impact. Wow. Oh my gosh. Um, 
to look back at the wake you leave behind, you know, the impact in lives. You know, my, my goal is to share as many good ideas with as many people as I can while I have breath in my lungs. And I'm trying to do that every day intentionally, with purpose, on purpose. And, you know, how the chips will fall in that, you know, the, the universe will decide. Yeah. Um, I can't I can't impact. You know, I don't have control over outcomes only on effort. And I'm making them every day. But that's what I want to be able to look back and, and see that I've touched lives. I help people. I gave them some courage and confidence when they needed it. I know where my power is and isn't. But to get them to believe in themselves, not anything that I can do for them, but just to get them to see their their lives in a different lens. If I felt like I was able to do that with people, I'll feel like uh, my time here was a win. Is it a numbers game or is it a quality no. game for you? I think it's a quality game. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, that it, it really is. I mean, you can't count the numbers. You just kind of go on faith with this stuff. But um, it, it's funny how those come back to you in the end and you start. Yeah. You don't have to count the numbers, Mike. That's the thing is if yeah. you just do your work today and try to impact as many people as you can, you don't have to count the numbers. They'll hey, be there. Yeah, you know, one, I love this man because this man busted me out of uh, uh, more trouble than I can count. But Admiral McRaven said it best in his speech. If those people you impact go on to impact one more or two more, then that's an exponential effect. And that's, that's powerful. That's well, DJ, it. this is not the end. Um, personally, I think you need to write some articles for the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior and get your name out there to our our, our 20 plus million uh, subscribers. So that is my public invitation to you. If you ever want to submit some articles, you send them our way. And, and I think you have a message that especially during this time uh, of our age in divisiveness that people need to hear. Um, DJ, you're a remarkable person. Uh, Additionally, thank you for your service uh, to our country and, uh, and much more to come. And for all the listeners uh, to, you know, DJ, where can they find you? Where's the best place to find you, your books, uh, your personal website? Yeah. uh, Nativediscovery.com is the best place to find me. And yes, uh, definitely want to promote, you know, people going out and get their copy of the, the warrior within, uh, available everywhere books are sold and we have an audio version too i'll read the whole thing to you if you're too busy to read i narrate it and there's a bonus uh hour and a half or so interview at the end with one of my best friends uh dr kevin basic who's uh one of the directors of the national medal of honor institute and we go deeper and tell more stories and um that's a, a added bonus for that product and Kevin is a good man. I can attest to Great that man. in my, yeah. my, my short conversations. Okay. Hey, hey yes. everyone, thank you so much for joining us. This is the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior. I'm your host, Mike Sorelli. We will see you again. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and pick up a new issue of Men's Journal Magazine. Men's Journal Magazine has features on health and fitness, adventure and travel, style, and my favorite, the coolest gear hitting the market today. Until next time, I'm Mike Sorelli, and thanks for listening.